Hello, church family. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, well, this is it. This is the part where we get to begin God versus all of these pagan deities. And uh, I, I admit, when I was like studying through this passage, I had a hard time dividing up how to break this down um, so that it could be digestible because there's 10 plagues. Uh, and each of the plagues are spans multiple chapters and there's a break in between uh in chapter 11 and then or 11 and 12 and then toward the the middle of uh chapter 12 that's when all of the things happen in terms of the passover and the last plague uh, so here's how i'm going to divide this week i'm going to divide it by um just going through middle of chapter 7 all the way until the end of chapter 8 um and i'll do th so in other words i'll do like three plagues today and then maybe four plagues uh, or the rest of the plagues on um on when or some of the plagues on Wednesday and then to finish it off by the end of the week and um, as we go through I'm just going to draw some uh, applicational points for us to think about um, and as you actually go as we actually go through the study together understand that there's a pattern going on here that's very obvious as God uh, giving instruction to Moses uh, you know, what he needs to tell Pharaoh in terms of which of the plagues and then the plagues happen and then Pharaoh uh, relents for a little bit and then God uh, relents, and then Pharaoh gets his heart hardened. So that's just going to be a, uh, like a, the template here. And much like the Book of Judges, things get spiral, it spirals worse and worse. So each of the plague progressively becomes more and more severe uh, to the point where at the end is you know the death of a firstborn. Uh, but the first in the beginning it wasn't it, you know it was the first few plagues were very just a nuisance. It was just annoying and difficult. Um, but it's not something that was deadly, and it only it will get deadlier as a plague goes. And this is really an act of God's judgment on the people that they've seen these small uh, miracles and plagues, and they still chose to harden their heart against the Lord. So, chapter seven, verse fourteen is going to be the first plague here. This is, again, this is right after when Aaron's rod became a scepter and ate all the other magician's scepter. So they actually had one sign before, but these signs afterwards are, are plagues that are, that are like in a global scale. This is not just for a small audience of individuals, Pharaoh and his magicians. This is um, for everyone, all of Egypt to see and even all the Israelites to see so that they are able to um, know who Yahweh is. So the first plague is uh, to, uh, water or the Nile that's turned to blood. Now this is important for us to understand that each of these plagues, there is really God fighting a deity that these Egyptians are aware of. Um, it's supposed to show them that uh, the God that they thought um, is not actually going to be the one that protects them. So here we go, chapter 7, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. He refused to let people go. Now this is f interesting because um, the reason why this section is here, this very first part, is God's just trying to assure Moses that um, don't be surprised about what Moses is going to. I'm going to show you all these miraculous things and they're going to be horrifying and even horrifying to watch, but don't be surprised when they realize that, hey, these things are not going to change the Egyptians' mindsets. The Egyptians were not secular people there they all believed in multiple gods so they assume that their god is going to protect them but god is going to show them that he's actually in in um, in charge of all of these gods that's why in the scripture it describes him the king of kings and lord of lord 
All of Yahweh's attack on these Egyptian deities is designed to humble these false gods, to render them useless and incompetent. Yahweh is going to show that he is the God over all of these Egyptian gods. And um, it should make us appreciate our God, because our God is the same God as the God here. We have all of these different multi-deities all over the world, and in the end, God, our God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, the triune God, is going to reign. He's going to show everyone that he is the one true God. And that's what the encouragement that we can have as we just go through each of these uh, plagues that we know that this is our God to act in the past. It should give us emboldened in the moment and know that God will judge people and he'll, be, he'll reign victorious. Verse 15, go to Pharaoh in the morning as, the, as he is going out to the water and, sta water and station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile. And you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned to a serpent. So for whatever reason, Pharaoh maybe has like some sort of morning ritual where he goes to swim. And this is intentional that God told him to go there. And then you make the Nile turn into blood. Uh, and there's just something that, that um, the Pharaoh, you know, he's in a very familiar place. And it's going to be very different. He's not going to be surprised at what's going to happen. Verse 16, you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you are not listened uh, until now. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff that is in my hand, and it will be turned to blood. The fish that are in the Nile will die, and the Nile will become foul, and the Egyptians will find difficulty in drinking water from the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over all the rivers, over their streams, over their pools, over all their reservoirs of water that they may become blood, and there will be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the vessels of wood and in the vessels of stone. So this is actually really cool, because um, God is saying that any water that comes from the Nile, so it's not just the Nile itself that's going to turn red, but even like the buckets that they have, all of the waters everywhere else, they're going to turn to blood. And um, he's going to show them that, like, yeah, God is, is not even going to make not just a river, but even every pot. So if you try to hide this water, it's still going to turn uh, into blood. And uh, they saw that the Nile, the Egyptians saw the Nile as a god altogether. Um, it's funny because Yahweh essentially gave a Nile, a, the Nile River, a blood transfusion. And the worshippers of Niles were in denial. Uh, and uh, this lasted for about a week, because at the very end, so this last four weeks, and yet this is, doesn't change the, the uh, Pharaoh's heart. I mean, he, he gets hardened by it. And the reason why he does is because we'll see in verse 20. So Moses and Aaron did even as the Lord had commanded, and he lifted up a staff and struck the water that was in the Nile on the side of Pharaoh and all uh, in the sight of his service, and all the water that was in the Nile was turned to blood. The fish were in the Nile died, and the Nile became foul, so that the Egyptian could not drink the water from the Nile, and the blood was through all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of the land did the same with their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now, what's weird is that, like, so the Egyptian magicians were there, like, okay, how do we replicate this? Like, where did they get the water from? This is actually one of those questions that non-believers have, like, well, see, didn't all of the water uh, turn to blood? Uh, how did the, the magicians have water that isn't um, tainted with blood? It's like, and the answer is, like, it's only the Nile's water that was turned into blood. Uh, in verse 24, it said, Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink, uh, for they could not drink of the water of the Nile. So uh, they were able to get water, and it just, it just became a very inconvenience to them. 
And I mean, when I said that God was going to fight all of the um, uh, the gods, the, f the first god here is that the Nile, they saw the Nile was the Nile god. They just saw that this whole thing uh, was um, was a god. They were sacrificing and offering. I mean, earlier in the book, they were offering, they threw the babies in the, in the Nile because it's like, almost like a way of pagan sacrifice. They're giving it to the pagan, uh, to, the, to the Nile God, the river God, essentially. And God is saying that he has no control over giving them sustenance, that the water that they have to have, they have to now dig wells around the Nile in order for them to drink the water. The second plague is frogs, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 to 15. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Now, I'm going to just back up a little bit. In the very last verse of chapter, 20, of chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Seven days pass after the Lord has struck them out. The implication here, and, and actually through all of the rest of the plagues, was that this wasn't just like, this. all of this did not happen like sequentially right after one another. These events, each of them might have some sort of break and delay in each one. So these plagues, all ten of them, could span at minimum several months. It wasn't just something that happened like in the, like a two week time. It went through it went through several months, and these things were intensely getting worse. So you know, we're thinking about twenty twenty. Like I remember when the, when COVID first happened, there was like there was like a fire going on in some other country. There was like killer hornets that was threatened that the people were afraid of. There was a COVID nineteen. There was all these stuff going on and like unrest and everything. Well, that's all kind of scattered throughout the world. But this is imagine that focus in like one area that every single week there was some sort of major catastrophe that just leveled the Egyptians. And it's God showing the Egyptians that their gods cannot protect them. Their Pharaoh cannot even protect them. So that's why there's a little time jump here. That's one week later, uh, then the Lord appears to, uh, to Moses and tells him to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Verse 2, but if you refuse, you let them go. Behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, um, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on, onto your bed, into the house of the servants and onto your people, into the ovens and into your uh, kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your people with all your servants. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand uh, with your staff over the river, over the streams, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh stretched his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Now, for somehow, when these frogs were able to do this, there, um, I mean, uh, when, when Aaron was able to summon all these frogs, uh, there was a god there um, called Heket, H-E-Q-E-T. It's a goddess with a frog head and a human body. Um, if you Google this, and if it, actually if you Google most of these Egyptian gods, it's funny because the body is generally the same, but the head is different. It's like they just copied and pasted and just changed the copy and paste the body, but changed the head. This is frog goddess, and the, and, the, and the frog goddess at the time was known as the god of uh, fertility and renewal. So when the Nile overflowed and lots of frogs came, uh, when there's, uh, you know, basically it's, a, it's to show them like he, the, the Nile, this god, Heket, cannot control anything. He can't control the frogs because uh, he's going to show them that these frogs, they're not under their control. They can't summon them. And uh, you'll see later on that these frogs will die according to the timing of the Lord. Uh, 
So that's what happens for some of the magicians did the same magicians did the same thing with their secret arts making frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Now I find that to be kind of funny because there were frogs swarming everywhere. I think it's all over the place. I don't know how these magicians were able to just like I mean, I'm sure they could probably lie, like, hey, that's my frog. How would they know the difference? There's frogs everywhere, swarming all over the place. Verse 8. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord and that he remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go. They may uh, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, The honors is yours to so tell me when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs be destroyed from you and your house, that they may be left in the Nile. They said tomorrow. So he said, May it be according to your word that you may know that there is one God like the Yahweh, like Yahweh our God. It was interesting that Pharaoh just said tomorrow instead of today. I think Pharaoh probably thought that okay, well, it probably needs time for you to do your intercessory prayer or something like that to, you know, sacrifice whatever you need. So he's just thinking in terms of the way that the pagan gods worked. He thought that like he thought that Yahweh operated like uh, their gods and that they have to do all this preparation work before um, their gods even are willing to pay attention. Uh, but that we'll see that's not the case. Uh, it, the reason why God actually answers them, though, is to show you him that like God is actually listening and that uh, he's going to do exactly what Aaron actually uh, um, did. He's, he's answering Aaron's prayer, not Pharaoh's here. The frogs will depart from you and your house and your servants and your people. They will, uh, they will be left only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh. The Lord did according to the word of Moses. He's Moses, not Pharaoh. And the frogs died out, on the, died out of the house, the courts, and the fields. So they piled them in heaps, and the land became foul. Yeah, this is a very miraculous thing. The fact that these frogs just came out of nowhere, just puffed out of the ground and out of the, all the waters all over the place, everywhere, um, and then immediately died. It just became very bad for them because now they have to like get rid of all these frogs. Um, but if you think that's bad, uh, what's worse is that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now, the next two plagues are plagues that are, some people categorize one plague, but it's just two uh, because there are two different uh, events going on here. But uh, in the Nazbi Bible, they, they titled this the Plague of the Insects. Uh, and like, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why in a sec. Um, but verse 16, so after all this frog thing, it could have been time, some time passed. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, that it may become gnats through all the land of uh, Egypt. Now, the first plague uh, that they were able to kind of mimic with the staff, and then they were, and even the, uh, the second one with the, the water turned to, to the, not, the water turned to blood, they can mimic frogs, they can mimic, but this one, this one is like, okay, they can't do it anymore. Um, they, this gnats, whatever it may be, some people in the Hebrew, it's like little tiny bugs um, that bites you. So it could be anything. It could be like little like lice or mosquitoes or whatever it may be, uh, but they're gonna, it's just gonna make them very uncomfortable. Now the God here is uh, Sebi, S-E-B, and this god is the god of the sand, and you know, it's just like the Nile, there's some supposed to be like, oh, the, there's a deity in the Nile, there's a, and there's sand everywhere, so there must be a, um, a deity over the sand. And God is saying that no, I am over the sand, I am control over that. And if you look at it, it's actually interesting. It goes from the water to the land, and then later on we'll see from the sky. And this is to show you that Yahweh is in control of every aspect of creation. And then when they hit the ground, 
in verse 17 where they you know when they hit the ground their gnats uh, they they did also they stretch out this hand and staff and struck the dust of the earth and they were gnats on the man and beast all the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land of egypt so this is like transformed from one thing to another much like adam came from dust these gnats also came from dust so this is something that we have in common with these little things these gnats that were probably prickly and annoying to each other verse 18 the egyptians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats but they could not so they so there were gnats on man and beast uh, so imagine just all the animals just like you know rubbing against like trees and trying to like kick off the uh, bugs and people doing exactly the same thing then verse 19 then the magician said to pharaoh this is the finger of god but the pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not listen to them as the lord had said so that's the god of the gnats uh, they were unable to control uh, they were able to control seb and um and now the next plague which is flies verse 20 until the end of the chapter uh now the lord said to moses rise early in the morning and present yourself before pharaoh as he comes out of uh out of uh, the water and say to him thus says the lord let my people go that they may serve me and again this is similar again he's in uh, pharaoh's in the water the nile again which i don't know why he would be back in there after what happened a few weeks earlier it's probably gross there's probably still some dead fish and frogs in there but he's you know doing his normal thing back to his usual routine um verse 21 for if you do not let my people go behold i'll send swarms of insect on you and your servants and on your people and into the house and into the house of egypt will be full of swarms of insect and also the ground which they dwell now you'll notice one thing that's different from this plague from the last one is that the magicians are gone the magicians showed up they said that this is all part of god's um uh this is the real god doing this they can no longer do it they forfeit they wave the white flag and if, in second timothy chapter three it said that these people were found to be foolish uh, they were found out they were exposed the fact that they are unable to to, to beat to beat yahweh and they gave up this was going on so now god uh, moses and aaron is warned like okay this is going to happen to all of egypt and what's different about this time well not really different but there's an emphasis here that um all the swarm the flies has come is only going to affect the egyptians the implication is that every other time um it could have attacked the uh, the israelites but it seemed unlikely this time i think and the reason why it seemed is unlikely because it doesn't seem like all the it, it all speaks of like the egyptians being in pain but there was no incident where the, the israelites were but here is very explicit that these bugs from a swarm of bugs from all over the place are only going to swarm against the egyptians verse 22 on that day i will set apart the land of goshen where my people are living so no swarm of insect will be there in order that you may know that i the lord am in the midst of the land i will put a division between my people and your people tomorrow this sign will occur then the lord did so and there were there came a great swarm of insects into the house of pharaoh and the house of his servants in the land was laid waste because of the swarm of insects in all the land of egypt the language in the original is implied that they were like tripping over the bugs the flies there were just so many of them all over the place now flies are normal creatures even here if you're if you just go outside next to your trash can you probably will find a whole bunch of them and in the egyptian time there weren't that many windows with, with like screens they just had open windows some of the wealthy people may have a curtain over it uh, so they were used to having flies in their home but when they saw this whole swarm it was all over the place again the language implies there were so many of them that they were um over you know they were tripping over them 
now in uh, the God that, that Yahweh fights here is this God named uh, Vachit, V-A-T-C-H-I-T. And he's the God of the flies or Lord of the flies. And Yahweh said that he's going to set Israel apart and he's going to show them that I'm going to control the flies. Like you guys can't tell this God to do anything. Um, I'm going to show you that, um, that uh, if you think that you're going to get away with worshiping all these pagan gods, I will, I'll level that God and use the same God that you worship against you. That's what happens here. And in verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It was not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to Yahweh our God what is an abomination to the Egyptian. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptian before their eyes, will they not then stone us? We must go a three-day journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to, the, to Yahweh our God as he commanded us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far. Mix up the locations for me. Now this whole situation, like Pharaoh just told him, hey, go make, go, go do your sacrifice here. And Moses basically said, no, our God is different. Although he's everywhere, he wants, he wants us to be, he wants us to worship him outside of Egypt. Because in case that people think that, oh, Yahweh is just like any other God in Egypt. Um, he wants to have a distinct thing. He wants to make it, separate them, make them unique, uh, that they're distinct from all the other gods. So, uh, he, and so Pharaoh lets him do that. Pharaoh said, I will let you go. Uh, and mainly for him to tell your God to stop doing this for me, for, to me. In verse 29, Then Moses, behold, I am going out from you, and I shall make supplication to Yahweh that the swarms of insects may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitful again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. I'm imagining this would be kind of very hilarious scenes of flies and insects are all over the place, and it's only affecting pharaoh and the egyptians like they're walking into some problem imagine like a little circle around aaron and moses it's just not it's just these flies just aren't affecting them but it's affecting everyone else so he's seeing this miracle take place he makes his bargain and moses actually thought in verse 20 that if the language seems to implicate that he he's saying don't lie this time like he actually thinks that this was over and you can't and you gotta give him credit because god actually never told moses what he was going to do he just said that he's going to show them signs he doesn't know that it's going to be 10 or, or 100. It's just, it's just that he'll show signs that eventually, uh, you know, Pharaoh's heart's going to be hard, and then eventually he'll let you go. But he doesn't know exactly how much numbers there, there are, which again shows you that the, the faith that Moses has, because he has no clue how many times he's going to be doing this, how many times he's going to go back and forth and going in and out of Egypt and, and you know, constantly having to intercede for Pharaoh. He just kept, he just kept doing um, what, uh, he just kept going and just doing what God told him, tells him to do. And this is something that's encouraging for us, that we actually don't know when our life is going to end. We don't know when our ministry is going to end. All we are called to do is just continue to be faithful. James tell us, tells us that we don't know what tomorrow has to bring, so don't worry about tomorrow, for today has its own problems. It has enough problems, so just worry, don't worry about tomorrow. Just deal with what you have in the moment. Be faithful to the task the Lord has given you. Be faithful in the people you're ministering to. And don't worry about the rest. Um, be like Moses here. Just keep doing your best. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep doing what the Lord has instructed you to do. And if the Lord wants you to continue on in the ministry, praise the Lord. Keep going. If the Lord wants to remove you, okay, praise the Lord. Move on. That's just how life is. The Lord moves people, and he's gonna, or he's going to keep people at a certain place for a long time or a short duration. Whatever it may be, God is in control of our life. 
And that's what Pharaoh, Moses said. He just tells them, he tells them this. And then verse 30. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord, or Yahweh, did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of insects from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. Again, much like the frogs that just supernaturally ended, the frog, the here the flies all just went away. So even the normal flies that would have been there all were gone. So the, so you know they didn't have any like ways to get rid of there was no bug spray or anything like that. It was just all gone. These all flew away. Um, and this again shows God's power. But verse thirty-two, but Pharaoh, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Now we see the cycle, and each of the gods I pointed out were intended to show you um, that they were defeated, they're under God's control. There's no way any of these Egyptians could sacrifice to their gods because God ended it immediately. They were just so afflicted by all the curses that they, were, they couldn't like, even cry out to their false gods or do anything. Uh, but when Moses says stop, because God has said, uh, you know, previously when Moses waved the staff, it was it ended, and it and did according exactly to the word of God to demonstrate that Yahweh is the one true God. So that's it. We're gonna that's that's we're gonna I'm gonna quit now because we podcast going a little longer than usual. But some, uh, Wednesday we're gonna go go through chapter nine. Um, yeah, we just go through chapter nine, and then uh, on Friday we'll go through chapter ten. We'll see how that goes. There's a lot of different deities that the Lord uh, overcomes and conquers. And again, I hope that this makes us cherish God because we know that even though nowadays all these like multiplicity of all of these different false deities, that God will level all of them. He will crush every single one of them. This is the God that uh, we uh, that we worship and it's teaches showing us through his scripture uh, how he's going to do it, or how he did it back then. And we can trust that he will do it again one day in the future. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a good Monday.